caught with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Caught with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. This is One Night Stand. What up, Night fans? It's Tuesday, December 18th. On this episode, we are going to discuss UCF basketball's undefeated week. The Florida Gators kind of half offering a two-for-one home-and-home series with us. been two years since our last loss. The AAC Grant of Rights rumor. We have two interviews, one with Marcus Jordan and one with Josh Lynham. And we talk about our Fab Five UCF bowl games. Money Moo has his bowl picks. I'm here with Money Moo. What's up, guys? I can't believe it's been two weeks since the last time we did a show. I know. Did you guys miss us or what? I think they did. I got a couple messages of some people a little disappointed that we weren't on last week. But you know what? We're we're busy, and we didn't really have a lot to talk about because yeah. there was no game. So, And now we've got just extra stuff to talk about this week. But on top of that, I needed a break, not just from the podcast, but it was just nice having one week with no UCF football. Uh, this, the season was very draining, and uh, it's been fun, and we had our little break, and here we are. We're back. I don't know. I didn't like it. I mean, I went Saturday, you know, last Saturday. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, first week without UCF game, and just army navy <laughs> that was it I, yeah. I felt like there was something missing from the week the weekend you know hey well you know what we're still undefeated so i can't complain all right so let's start off with kind of the the big topic everyone's been talking about over the last two weeks the salty gator fans you know as you guys know the our ad's have kind of gone back and forth about a possible offer the emails were released today between ad danny white and Florida's AD Scott Strickland, where he pretty much said he would he he wants two home games and a neutral site game in Orlando, which is a terrible deal for UCF. And pretty much everyone just been arguing with Gator fans for the last two weeks on Twitter because there's nothing else to talk about. So, what do, what are your thoughts on that? I know. Deal? Well, the way the Twitter sphere is going, you would think that we're playing we're actually going to play a football game against the Gators, but we're not. We're playing, we're playing the Louisiana State University Tigers. <laughs> But all I've been hearing it from is from Gator fans. I wish we could play the Gators and just shut them up. Guys, here's the deal. We want to have home and home contests with other teams. Look, one game is at their place. One game is at our place. Seems pretty fair, right? Well, the Florida Gators think that they're so high and mighty that they can't accept a deal where there's one game at their place, one game at ours. They want to have two games in Gainesville and only one in not even a home game they want a neutral site game at the Citrus Bowl or whatever they do not want to come into Spectrum Stadium and for lose. obvious reasons yeah and but here's the thing you know they have nothing to game Florida hasn't played an out-of-conference away game since like for like 40 years not counting FSU and Miami they don't do it they don't have to because look the SEC even everyone said even if Alabama lost the SEC championship they were getting in the playoff anyway. The SEC teams, the way it's set up now, they have no incentive to play any harder games than they need to. So I kind of get it from their perspective too. But for us, and everyone's like, you know, take the deal, take the deal. You guys need it. Uh, Bobby Bowden did this in the 70s. Or first of all, or the 80s or whatever. Back in the 80s, 
home games weren't worth two million in revenue. Yeah. Right. Times have changed. Everything kind of revolves around money now, and we just can't take that loss. We would love to go play them. I mean, that'd be fine. It wouldn't be fair, but we just can't do it. And it'd be one thing if we didn't have, you know, a whole list of other P five schools that wanted to do home and home games with us. But I mean, we do. Not necessarily right now, but I mean, who have we scheduled? We have Stanford, Pitt next year, North Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech, Louisville coming up. Uh, and we've had a ton in the years past, too. You know, we had the, the deal with Penn State. So it's not like we don't have teams to play us, and that's the only deal on the table. No, we don't need them just as much as they say they don't need us. So screw them. Yeah, the Penn State deal, that was great. One, one, in, one at Penn State, one neutral. Neutral, and one... No, we didn't play. Oh, they home. didn't come at home. No, but still, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't terribly lopsided. No, but we also weren't. You know the caliber of program that we are now. Exactly. You know that was in the past. We're looking forward, and we're better, and we're not going to take a two for one deal like USF no. did too. Here's another thing for USF: they don't make that much money off of their home games. They only get eighty percent of the ticket sales. They don't make anything from concessions or parking or anything like that. Their home games are worth significantly less to them than ours are to us. So they're not giving up as much doing a two-for-one with the Gators. Also, they're not as good of a program as us, so they might have to take deals like that. So anyway, and we could go on and on about this. And I mean, you know, people have been for the last two weeks on Twitter. But when it comes down to it, unless we play them on the field, it really ain't going to solve anything. We just and at the end of the day, kudos to Danny White holding his ground. He's asking for a one a one for one, you know, home and away. If somebody doesn't want to take that, fine. We'll find somebody else. Our, the, our schedule's the Gators, it's the Gators loss. It's not our loss. Yeah, and our schedule's filled up for the next three seasons anyway. So I mean we're we're fine for the time being. Another interesting thing is if you go back to those emails and look at Danny White's wording talking about his response to Strickland saying that they don't schedule I forget the word he, he used autonomous five, which is Another, it's kind of short for automatic bid conferences to the NY6 game. Um, so he called it autonomous five. He said they don't schedule uh, one-on-ones with non-conference autonomous five. So pretty much saying that it's almost like a collusion thing. And I think Danny White is using this to set up an antitrust lawsuit um, because it really isn't fair. I mean, they're like, hey, play better schools. We try and play better schools. They don't want to play us. Well, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. We're never going to make the play. We only have to play them on their terms. Yeah, yeah it's stupid. It, exactly. And you uh, want to talk about scheduling out of conference. You know you know who Alabama scheduled out of conference next year? Who? <laughs> Duke. Oh, ooh, ooh, big bad. Congratulations. And it's not an away game. It's a neutral site. They don't play out of conference yeah. away games. The S- but you know what? Here's the thing. The SEC doesn't have to. They still get almost two playoff spots every year. So then I, I would be fine, my personal opinion, I would be fine with doing one Tampa neutral site game. Yeah, like, what's wrong with that? That's think, about two hours I think from be, Gainesville or I, hour and a half. Pretty I, much same as Orlando. Yeah. I like, think, what's wrong with that? I think that'd be a lot of fun. But I but know, I don't know how the money works, you know, with I'm that. I'm not sure how Do it we does give either. any money to Ray, Ray J? Or? I, think we, I think we end up, we split. It'll probably be what USF kind of gets, except we split the tickets. Okay. So, but if, it's our, if we have six home games that year and a neutral site, it's not terrible. I would do that. Or, hey, here's an idea. Plays in a bowl game. Yeah, or that. Don't be oh. afraid. All right. Anyway, uh, so piggybacking off of that, on. piggybacking off of that, uh, let's talk last week some news leaked that the American Conference was trying to set up a grant of rights, which is similar 
Um, actually, pretty much all the P5 schools have it. And what it does is it locks, it would lock us into the American Conference, say, till 2025. You know, the Big 12 has it. All the, all the other conferences have it, although they're not susceptible to losing their teams. But it would lock us in, and they want us to do that for them to negotiate the new TV deal, which we're going to get significantly more money as a kind of an incentive for schools like UCF to sign that. They would be offering us a disproportional amount of TV money. I think right now we all get the same amount. They would be offering us a proportional amount to how much we bring in. So maybe say all the schools get eight and we get 10 or, or something like that. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about locking us into the American for another seven years? Well, I guess it depends on how much it is. Right. You know, I, I would love to be, you know, in either the Big 12. I think Big 12 is pretty much where we should go. You know, some people have said, oh, yeah, but, you know, we want to go for the SEC. You know, that I don't think is ever going to happen. There no other conferences make sense. It, a- ACC, there's already FSU and Miami. It's not going to happen. Th- it just logistically... And the Pac-12 is California. That's yeah. not going to work. The only one that makes sense is the Big 12. I agree. I mean, the Big 12 would be a far haul because it's not – got to remember, it's not just football. It's like every other sport. It's the right. same thing. You're talking all – you know, not trying to rank the sports or anything, but literally like baseball, softball, you know, basketball, everything. That That's right. a lot of money to travel, you know, it is, that but far. It- but I guess we already travel to UConn and SMU and all that. I guess it's not yeah. that much farther. And if we're getting, you know, ten times the TV money, then that's true. Yeah, plenty to plenty to feed everyone. My thing with this is that, and honestly, I like the American. I mean, look, the American's filled with some really great football programs. There's a reason that all the P5 schools that are looking for coaches are poaching coaches from the American. Look at this year. Jeff Collins just went to uh, from Temple to Georgia Tech. Um, Mike Norvell was a name that was thrown around a lot, although he kind of put that down. Tom Herman a couple years ago. Well, I know I'm, I'm missing some too. I mean, pretty much Scott Frost, obviously. Well, here's the thing that's different nowadays than from when we were in school. When we were in school, you know, 10 years ago, every game wasn't on ESPN. You know, every game wasn't on TV. So a big draw for these recruits were, oh, well, why would I go play for UCF, you know, when I could play for on Gators TV, and yeah. they're going to be on CBS and ABC and this and that. Well, now, you know, every single American game, even if it's like UConn, East Carolina, is still on at least CBS Sports Network, yeah. you know, or ESPNU, ESPN News, yep. you know, so if you're a talented player, you don't have to go to these big powerhouse so-called powerhouse schools anymore you know you can go to the smaller name schools and still get your name out there my thing honestly the only thing separating the american from other conferences well two things one the tv deal which ours is absolutely terrible but i guess we really don't have a choice because the conference was in bankruptcy at the time that we took it and then the automatic bull bid because besides that i think the best teams the best programs in the american are a lot better than a lot of the so-called P5 schools. Like, yeah, <laughs> Rutgers, Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, just look at the bottom of... Uh, the bo- Kansas. The bottom teams in any of the P5 conferences are terrible. All of them have it. Just like in our conference. Just like in our conference. Here's the terms I would accept this grant of rights. For the right amount of money, say, I don't know, maybe $12 million. More importantly, expand the playoff to eight. And yeah, that would have that would have to be the big thing. And an automatic NY six bull bid, then we've got no reason to leave the American. The yeah, there really is fine. isn't. If they, you're right, and 
this is the first time that I think I've ever said that. <laughs> but <laughs> that I'm right. But yeah, <laughs> but if they expanded to eight, and we had the automatic bid, then yeah, I mean, what what does the Big Twelve have Nothing. other than you know a couple of bigger names, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, and such that pretty much just going to drive up ticket prices. That's that's really about it. Yeah, I mean, it'd obviously make our home games a much bigger draw. We'd eventually be able to, I think, pretty soon, actually. We're almost selling out every game. I, I mean, No, I'm saying we would, um, we'd expand the stadium oh. if we had, you know, if we had Big 12 Well, that's another coming. topic. I, I think we're pretty far, yeah. or we should be pretty far away from that, like it's 10. So, if, if we joined the Big 12 tomorrow, we would expand the stadium. Oh, yeah. We'd be able well, to fill it up. But, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. But no, I mean, if if we could get it on those terms now, they're not going to give us the automatic bid. But if they expand the playoff and say we can get $12 million a year, I think we might sign the grant of rights because the other TV deals aren't up until 2025 anyway, so they won't even start having the negotiations until you know a couple years before. But the big thing is that, and this is looking way down the lines, they're saying Oklahoma and Texas might leave the Big 12, and then it would end up being the Power Four, because the leftovers in the Big 12 aren't that good. So yeah. we could, again, join a the conference. conference, and they get left behind again. And they oh, get Jesus. left behind again. So maybe it's not that bad to just take this deal now. But, I mean, we need to. the playoff needs to be expanded would be the, the biggest thing, or else we're just never going to be able to kind of get to that next level as a football program. But you know what? This is all fun to talk about. For now, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're really only talking about this because there's no game yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> if this was a normal week, I'd say we spend like two minutes on it. And yeah, there we go. probably. Um, but hey, it's good this stuff comes out, so we have uh, other stuff to talk about. All right, what do you want to go to next? Uh, let's give a quick congratulations and a shout-out to UCF offensive lineman freshman Cole Schneider, who was named USA Today freshman All-American. That's a huge deal. They only pick five linemen, I think. So he was one of them. Yeah, it was great. He also was first team all conference for the American. He's a local kid out of Fort Myers, Riverdale grad. Local for us. Local for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not for probably most people listening to this, but we are from the 239 also. So shout out to our uh, fellow, I don't know, person that's from here. Southwest Floridian. Southwest Floridian. Uh, there you go. No, congrats. That's awesome. Uh, just, you know, another awesome award. Our team and players have won so many this year, but it's definitely nice to see that we've got a nice little foundation laid on the offensive line going into the future. He's going to be a stud there for at least the next two, three years. So, And do you know what today is? Uh, I don't know, Hanukkah? Well, maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> it's the two-year anniversary of our last loss. Oh, that's right. The Cure Bowl, man. Never forget. It's been exactly two years, two full calendar years since the UCF Knights lost a football game. Got whooped by Arkansas State. Mackenzie Milton got booed off the field. These are words that it sounds so foreign right now, but yep. this is true. And, you know, Mackenzie cited that game as something that really pushed him to kind of take it to the next level and use it as motivation that next season. And I, I think it definitely helped because, obviously, I mean, he turned into a stud. And you forget, I mean, Mackenzie showed flashes of greatness his first season, but he also didn't look good to, good at times, and you almost forget that because of how freaking good he was the next two yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this game, though, was so bad. It was one of – it has to be the only UCF game I've ever turned off. I you literally turned it, turned it off. Well, partially because I had to go to a wedding, but 
whatever. <laughs> I, I turned the game off because I, I just couldn't watch it anymore. It was it, so bad. It was abysmal. Being there in person, it was just, we couldn't do anything. It was just like, what are we doing? It, it, no blocking. I don't know. It was just bad. And we were like, what, 14, 13 point favorites or something, and we lost by 18, I think. Yeah. Ouch. Anyway, oh, better, well. better times are ahead. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, enough of that. I don't even really like talking about losses like that. I, don't I feel mind. Like, well, I mean it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice to remember where you came from though, you know? It makes you appreciate where we are now more. I no, think, right? For sure, yeah. History. History is important, kids. All right, let's uh talk about basketball real quick because we said we're going to and now we're we are. So, our basketball team since our last podcast is gone. 2-0, we beat Georgia Southern on a nice weekday game, and we just recently beat Stetson this past Sunday. Brings our record overall to 9-2. and We are tied in a three-way tie, second place in the American Conference. First place is the Houston Cougars, now the first American team to be ranked at the top 25. They're number 21. They're 10-0 and on the season. Speaking of basketball, let's get to the first of our interviews. We have former... UCF basketball player Marcus Jordan. You might know him as Air MJ or Michael Jordan's son. He played for us for a few years here at UCF, and we talked a little bit about how we ended up switching from Adidas to Nike because he wore Jordans during a game. We got the whole truth behind that because there's a lot of different info out there. Yeah, I was going to say, that that's a big, it's, big yeah. story. It really we is. used to have these gaudy, gaudy, all Adidas clothes. So he tells us that story, talks about what made him come to UCF from Chicago and a little bit more. And he was also on the basketball team when we beat the Florida Gators, the then ranked Florida Gators in a neutral site game in the the Amway Arena. All right. So without further ado, uh, let's do that interview. What's going on? I'm here with Marcus Jordan, a former UCF basketball player, but also the founder and owner of the Trophy Room Store. Uh, what's going on, Marcus? Everything's good, man. I can't complain. How about you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. Let's start off no and talk a little bit about your store. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, sure. And so Trophy Room is, you know, inspired by three things. Um, essentially, you know, we had a trophy room in our house growing up and it was centrally located in the house. And so anytime anybody came you know, over all of our friends or family friends, um, you know, we would always make it a, a point to kind of stop in the trophy room and hang out. And just over the years, it became the place that everybody really wanted to be. So um, the first kind of storyline is my dad would, you know, include our trophies in there with his. And so it kind of inspired us as kids to kind of want to earn our own accolades and do our own thing. Um, and every year for Christmas, we would put our Christmas tree in the trophy room. And so, you know, it really just to, to summarize, it really was just the place to be when anytime anybody came over to the house. And so we're really looking to kind of recreate that environment and that feeling of, uh, you know, family atmosphere and warmth within the, you know, within the decor of the store. We've got family photos throughout the store and, uh, you know, all of our customer interactions with all our, our associates, you know, we're looking to kind of create an experience for the guests and not you know, necessarily your typical retail experience, you know, something more intimate and, uh, and, and that always kind of ties back to the Jordan legacy. How big was the trophy room at uh, your dad's house? It must've had to get bigger over the years with all the hardware I picked up. You know, honestly, we, uh, we moved to that house, I want to say in early nineties. And so, you know, the room was always the same size. It did kind of get 
filled up with trophies. And so there was some rearranging that had to be done. But uh, the room was, uh, I would say it was roughly, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 square feet. And uh, it, it had multiple entry points. It was kind of, it was very open, you know, and so you can kind of walk through it or walk around it. And it was always, you know, it was kind of glasswork. So you could see through the trophy room on the outside and so i'll be sure to make sure we get a we get a photo over to you so you can kind of check it out yeah definitely i'll put that out there for everyone all right so tell us more about the store then uh what do, what do you guys sell and, and what, what's your kind of concept sure well we lead through the jordan brand lens and so any any jordan shoe that you're going to see that comes out on saturday will typically have that um you know other than jordan brand we we obviously carry nike uh, we've partnered with Mitchell and Ness, um, Upper Deck, who's actually the exclusive uh, memorabilia maker for my dad's image. So we've got very different pieces, uh, memorabilia pieces in store that's all signed by my dad that we actually retail. And then other than that, you know, we've we've brought in a streetwear brand named Bape, a bathing ape, and they're very big in Japan. And uh, that's done very well in our store. And as we move into 2019, we're really looking to kind of bring in more streetwear vendors such as, you know, Fear of God and um, you know, off-white, Heron Preston, things like that, and, and looking to elevate the store from, you know, your exclusive sneaker store to your uh, luxury streetwear boutique that has an exclusive sneaker offering. So that's that's my goal for 2019. That's awesome. That's definitely a really uh, unique concept that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, where, where can we find you guys at? Sure. We are actually located in Disney Springs, which is in Walt Disney World here in Orlando, um, and our hours are 10 to 11, Monday through, or Sunday through Thursday, and Friday and Saturday, we're actually open till 1130. All right, so let's get to some uh, different questions here. Obviously, sure. I'm sure people ask you about your dad a lot, um, so we won't get into that too much. But what's the favorite, what's your favorite memory of a game uh, that he played in that you actually got to see in person? Yeah, sure. Well, I was, you know, I was born in 1990. I kind of like to joke around and say that I was the uh, the good luck charm that sparked the run in the 90s because uh, <laughs> I was born Christmas Eve, and then they obviously went on to win the championship in June 91. Um, but I think more so than any game, I, I think because I was eight years old, the last shot and watching that in our theater with our family, you know, it was a road game, so we would always get together and, and kind of watch as a family downstairs. But more so than that, you know, my dad before every home game, he would eat his pregame meal at home with us and so we would typically get around from get home from school around you know three o'clock and he'd be eating around uh three thirty four four thirty just you know because we lived out in the suburbs so he had a an hour drive to drive into the uh to the city for the arena but i think that's the the memory that i cherish the most is kind of just sitting with my dad and, and having those pregame meals with him you know and waiting to get out of school so we could you know have, share that moment as a family that's awesome that's really cool tell me a little bit about being in the movie space jam what was that like so actually we weren't in space jam um uh, my brother my sister and i yeah exactly my mom wasn't in it either she uh she had some reservations about us being in it as children and, and she always wanted to kind of maintain our anonymity and, and so we would kind of have you know regular upbringing so we were actually we, were, we weren't in the movie but we were on set every day and one of the things i do remember is uh you know meeting bugs bunny for the first time and and realizing that it wasn't actually a bunny it's a person in like a green jumpsuit and so that was kind of devastating to me but it was still kind of cool to you know to just be on set and kind of hanging with everybody right and how old were you at that time you must have been little right yeah i want to i can't remember when it came out but i would say i was probably anywhere from four to six years old yeah i think it was like 95 maybe i can't remember i was i'm the same it's, age so it's it's been a while yeah it was it was around the time base uh my dad kind of went to play baseball so i definitely say it was around 95 all right so let's fast forward a little bit um you obviously grew up in the chicago area 
what made sure. you decide to come down to UCF? It seemed kind of random. Yeah, and so actually UCF had been a school that had been recruiting me early in my basketball career. And, and like you said, being in Chicago, I didn't really know much about UCF. So I had kind of put it off off of my radar. But uh, my, my best friend and my point guard actually at the time, AJ Romson, he ended up coming up. He ended up coming down to UCF the year before I did. And so he kind of was, you know, just consistently in my ear and, and telling me about UCF and how cool the, the campus was, how new the facilities are, how I could come in and make an impact right away. And so in my senior year of high school, we actually went on to win our state championship. And, you know, at the end of that, I, I kind of put off recruiting, just kind of focusing on that because we had fell short the year before. And so when we actually won, um, you know, I, I had a conversation with AJ and AJ was like, come on, just come check it out. And it just happened to work that, you know, I was coming around this area anyway. So I took my first official visit at UCF. And after doing so, I just I loved it so much. I forwent any other visits and, and I actually ended up committing, I think, the following week just because, I you know, I, I fell in love with everything that UCF you know offered me. Yeah, the place kind of sells itself, definitely. But that's cool. I mean, you had some offers from some other big schools. I remember uh, Miami, I think. And what else? Yeah, and Stanford, actually, and, you know, actually a school that I always wanted to go to as a kid growing up was Michigan. And so there was, you know, a conversation around, around possibly walking on there, earning a scholarship there. But, you know, ultimately, uh, UCF was the one that won out for me. Well, that's awesome. Uh, it definitely worked out good for you. So tell me sure. about playing at UCF. What was maybe one of your favorite memories on the court? Uh, my favorite memories on the court? Um would definitely be i think the game against uf at amway that was uh that was definitely a huge game for me i, I had a, a great game we ended up winning and i remember even feeling slighted as a team because we were essentially playing in our backyard and all of our family uh tickets were you know like in the second row or in the nosebleeds essentially in, in uf all their family seats were kind of the lower bowl and so we we all felt you know somewhat disrespected by that you know being that amway's in our backyard and gainesville is like two hours away so uh, I think that was a little extra incentive for us to go out and kind of uh, just perform to the best that we could. And, you know, obviously that year as a whole was a, was a fantastic year for us. Yeah, that was awesome. I still remember that game. I think you had, what, like 18 points uh, led the team? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the stats, but, yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was a great game. That was definitely cool. And we were – I think we were undefeated coming into there, right? So it was like a big deal playing up against the game. Yeah, we had a – we. I, I remember non-conference. I'm pretty sure we went all, all the way through – through non-conference undefeated or maybe maybe one or two games um and other than that i would think my first you know my favorite moment would be playing in that first atlantis uh tournament down in in the bahamas um and kind of beating uconn that year but ultimately falling short to i believe it was harvard um and so that was that was frustrating for me but it was a great experience to kind of uh be a part of that the first initial tournament um at, at atlantis yeah that was definitely a special season i'll, I'll never forget that um sure Obviously, you know, you were a great basketball player for us, but I mean, your biggest legacy still kind of remains at the school. The whole Adidas shoe controversy. For some sure. of the younger guys out there, Marcus is kind of pretty much the reason that we are a Nike school now and not a, uh, let's say, an A-word school. Uh, can, you, uh, <laughs> can you maybe explain how it went down to everyone? Because there's a lot of different stories and stuff out there on the internet. Sure. Uh, well, I think one of the things for me in being recruited and ultimately making the decision to come to UCF was being allowed to wear Jordan shoes. You know, it was a big deciding factor for me. Of course. And in talking to, you know, um, the athletic directors and the head coaches at the time, um, 
there was a a small communication, I mean, a conversation that the school had with their local Adidas reps. And the consensus was that there was no issue with me wearing with with me wearing Jordan shoes. Um, You know, they all understood it. And that in turn kind of influenced my decision to come to UCF. Now, fast forward to, you know, the beginning of the season. And I think, you know, words got started, um, you know, being known to the higher ups in Germany at Adidas. And I guess they weren't as happy with it. And so they started, you know, having conversations and I wasn't too privy to those because I was playing at the time. But one of the things that the school always remained to me was that, look, we're not going to go back on our word to you. You know, um, originally there was no issue. Now it seems to be an issue, but we told you you could wear the shoes. So you're allowed to wear the shoes. And so that's kind of where it stood for me. And I actually ended up going above and beyond. I, um, you know, I kind of whited out the logos on my shoe, the Jordan logos on my shoes. And I remember filling in some black shoes with marker just to kind of, you know, dilute right. the Jumpman logo. So if anybody takes a picture of my shoes, you know, you can see, see that. And exactly. And I was good friends with Derek Rose at the time. And he had just started these Adidas ankle braces. And so I reached out to D and was just like, hey, can I get these ankle braces? And so that was even an extra step to say, hey, look, even if I'm wearing Jordans, if anybody takes a picture of my shoes, you'll see this Adidas ankle brace. Right. Um, but lo and behold, our first exhibition game, um, you know, we literally walk onto the court uh, for the jump for the tip off. And I think it was the first dead ball or the first TV timeout. I got word from our coaches that Adidas had actually pulled the contract. So, you know, it was it was something that we saw coming. But when it actually happened, it was a little bit of a shock. And and I remember the joke that year was, you know, we couldn't receive products because they had pulled the contract and that, not just basketball, football as well. And, and all of the you know volleyball teams and, and all sports across the board. And so anytime I would run into this, you know, student athletes, there would be, you know, jokes made about, hey, man, I can't get any product, blah, 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 blah. And so everybody was kind of <laughs> ragging on me that first year. But I, I think, you know, when Nike ultimately ended up stepping in, you know, everybody was really happy with that. Yeah, I mean, it worked out good. I, I like the way all the jerseys and stuff ended up turning out. So it's kind of a good story for everyone. Uh, one last question here. <laughs> I got to ask it. Sure. Who's the GOAT, MJ or LeBron? No, MJ, come on. That's not even a question. I know, That's man. not even a question. I'm, I'm I don't just... know if you uh, I don't know if you saw Kyle, Kyle Lowry yesterday in his uh, in his interview, but uh, <laughs> if you didn't, go check that out. No, just uh, you know, it's funny for some of the younger people out there, man. Just look up like MJ top fifty highlights or something like that, and then come back sure. to the conversation. I, I don't think people understand, but uh, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a different game today. <laughs> it's a different game today. So I don't think you can take you know the greats from each era. And kind of compare them because the game has kind of evolved so 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 greatly. So yeah, it really is. Um, anyway, thanks a lot, man, for coming on the show. Um, sure. Where can we follow you guys on uh, like Twitter, Instagram, whatever? Trophy Room. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at, at Trophy Room Store. Uh, my personal Twitter. I'm also active on that. That's actually Air H E I R Air M J. So you can follow me there and follow the store. All right, sounds good. Uh, thanks a lot, man. And obviously, if you're in the Orlando area, check them out over at Disney Springs. For sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. See you guys. That interview was brought to you by Nobody, because we're still looking for sponsors. Really appreciate everyone tweeting in and sending us emails about wanting to be our sponsor for the show. Just haven't picked one yet. Yep. Or something. (laughs) No, seriously. uh, It's a great way to get on early. You know, we're growing. Every episode's getting more and more listeners. So thank you for listening. I will that I will say that is true. Every episode is significantly larger 
than yeah. the pre than the previous one. So I'm kind of surprised at how much we've grown. I honestly, yeah, I can't believe the first it. First one, I I never thought I thought we'd get like our core of like you know people that follow me on Twitter, like the same hundred people listening to it, and not really see much growth. But like towards the end of the season, it was crazy. Like every episode was getting yeah. almost a hundred more listeners. Yeah. So thank you guys again. And if you have any ideas for sponsors or want to sponsor us, shoot us a tweet. Uh, speaking Price of Price very negotiable. Yeah. Very negotiable. Extremely negotiable. Um, speaking of, we notice Money Moo has less followers on Twitter than people that listen to each episode. So if you're listening right now, please go follow him. It's at Money Moo UCF on Twitter. He would really appreciate that. Yeah, what's up with that, guys? It takes Come time. On. It takes time, dude. Rome wasn't built overnight. I've been on Twitter for I I have my UCF problems account for Seven years now. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I so. kind of just started a couple months ago. Yeah, I know. So. <laughs> so. It'll grow. It'll grow, though. All right. Anyway, let's move on. Let's do our Fab Five this week. We're going to talk about uh, UCF Bowl wins. We only have four, but we're also going to talk about the Fiesta Bowl, do a little preview. So Since that that'll makes, be our fifth. That'll be our fifth, hopefully, knock on wood or whatever, even though I really know we're going to win. But I can't say that because then you guys tweet me and you're like, oh, you jinxed us. So and you're also sitting at a glass table. That's true. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Our first bowl win started off the Liberty Bowl versus Georgia, where we won ten six, and we're going to talk with Josh Lynham, who was on the team a little bit later. But this was our first bowl win. We were zero and three in bowls previously. Went up to Memphis and played against you know big bad SEC team Georgia. Kind of a boring game, but we won ten to six. What do you remember from that game, Moo? Well, I just remember, you know, it being in in SEC country, you know, in ten in Memphis, in Tennessee, you know, ten six. Georgia was loaded with talent. I mean, yeah. AJ Green, AJ McCarron. Was it AJ McCarron? No, it was that little jit. AJ McCarron oh, no, played for Alabama, Alabama. First of all, um, it was uh, God damn it. What's that little kid? Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray. Okay, yeah. it, he's like a announcer or something now. Yeah, he's a legit. Aaron Murray, but he was pretty good college quarterback. Yeah, he was all right. Big thing was AJ Green, Latavius. Yeah, and Latavius Murray was the he was the MVP. Who scored Ran the only, all over him. <laughs> scored the only touchdown of that game, which we scored in the hey. fourth quarter. Uh, we were down six three, and that made it ten to six UCF, and that was it. Uh, real defensive game, but it was awesome, and that was you know our first. Bullwin and really started to put us on the map a little bit as a program. Yeah. I, I could remember us watching it together. <laughs> we were at, um, where was that place in the old plaza? Uh, we were, it was just us three, though. It was, we were at like Liquid De- Cellar? No. Deco? We were at, I think we were at Deco, but it was just us three. With me, you, and Pav? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even remember. <laughs> I just remember uh, we had Godfrey at quarterback who ended up switching to receiver, and he's actually on the uh, Orlando Apollos team that's kicking off here in February at Spectrum Stadium, coached by Steve Sprayer. But anyway, Godfrey was our quarterback. 10-6 and beat another SEC team, so we'll just keep going down the line. There you go. All right, got the next one? Next up on the Fab Five UCF Bowl wins was the 2012 Beefo Brady's Bowl. Hey, play, played in the Trop down in Tampa, St. Pete or St. Pete, yeah, in the Tampa Bay Devil Rays Stadium, 
indoor baseball field, perfect for football. <laughs> it's weird too. Uh, against Ball State, where Bortles and company, we just absolutely destroyed them. I remember watching this game, thirty-eight seventeen. Yep. Uh, I was not there. I had something else, probably not as important. But wasn't, were you there? I was there. These games, these stupid St. Peoples, we've been in three of them, and they're always like two days away from Christmas. Yeah. And it's just really, really inconvenient. I think this was on a week. No, you know what? It was on a Friday. It's, I do remember it was on a Friday. Yeah, but it's, it's still tough to get to Friday games for a lot yeah. of people. Looking at the attendance here, good old 21,000. <laughs> we were favored by seven. We won 38-17, covering easily. Yeah, it was back before my real big gambling days. I think I had like 25 bucks or something on Whoa! the game. <laughs> Half a year's college student salary. <laughs> yeah, Doug. I mean, it was a nice nice end to a, a decent season. You know, this is Bortles' first season as, as starting quarterback, I believe. We were 9-4 and four, or 8-4 and four coming into the game. And we were kind of coming off a letdown year in 2011, so that was nice. And then, obviously, 2013, well, I guess this is a good transition into the next one. Bowl win number three for UCF was the Fiesta Bowl versus Baylor. 2013 season game was actually January 1st 2014 we we're both 11 and 1 going into this game Baylor was the big 12 champion we were champions of the American Athletic Conference the one season where our conference had an automatic NY6 bowl bid we took full advantage of it our only loss that season was to eventual number four University of South Carolina we ran the table after that finished 11 and 1 Got our automatic bid to the Fiesta Bowl. We were the biggest underdogs in BCS Bowl history at 16 and a half, and we won easily. The game was never really close. We won by 10, but they scored a touchdown late. We were up by 17 toward the end. Yeah, we were up two scores pretty much, pretty the, whole much the whole game. We started off, I remember, you know, going into this, we did not have the confidence like we do now. I didn't think we were going to win at, at all. all. I do remember. You know, they had the ESPN, they still had the Capital One Bowl Mania where they pick all the bowls, put a confidence point thing uh, up against who they think is the most. Yeah, they do the confidence points and they pick the teams in order of who they think's, you know, most likely to win to, you know, the least likely picks. And everyone had UCF as the number one confidence or Baylor as the number one yeah. confident pick. To win. I remember there was a guy on ES. I think back then there was only like 34 or 35, let's say 35 bowl games. Something like that. This guy put 35 points, so he was most confident in Baylor winning. He actually said, quote, if I had 36 confidence points, I would put it on Baylor. Yep. Meaning he had absolutely zero confidence in UCF. No one did, and I was. I didn't think we were going to win. I mean, I we're 17-point underdogs, like. Yeah, and no one really thought we were going to win. No. And this was... We were all just happy to be there. Yeah, even though we weren't actually there, us, personally. I right. uh, wish I went. But anyway, I mean, you and know... the game started off crazy. We were up 14 nothing, like, instantly. We were up 14 nothing in the first, you know, six, seven minutes, so... And, and then I was just like, wait, like, we might actually Whoa, have a chance. Hey. We kept waiting, you know, the Baylor offense, Big 12 offense. We just kept waiting for, like, them to come back and like stop us from scoring and they just couldn't we just kept scoring and scoring and scoring and then it was over and i still couldn't believe it um and that's really where ucf started to be put on the map uh as a program and then the floodgates kind of just opened the last few years but this was you know 
the game that really got us national attention for the first time. Everyone was like, whoa, maybe something kind of good's going on over here with George O'Leary and these UCF Knights. So then our fourth bowl win was last year, 2017, the Peach Bowl. Do you remember that? I do. Well, a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Actually, I really didn't drink. Like, at no all one did. Game. It was I was crazy. Say, I had. Two- I was like so focused like, <laughs> in on the game. It's the game I probably remember most out of any UCF game. But you know, the signs all said third quarter for beer, but that was for Falcons games. They actually stopped serving at halftime, and I only had like two oh, beers. Yeah. In me. I did not see any of those signs, and I had a nice little stroll up from my seat. You know, I I was sitting at like club level, so the bar. Oh yeah, fancy. Well. The bar was very, very close to my seat. So I walk up there, no line, no wait. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm about <laughs> to get a beer right here. You know, Maybe you, two. I could still see, see the field standing at the bar, too. Yeah, no, the and bar, the, that stadium is yeah, awesome. Yeah, the, that's clearly the number one best stadium I've ever been to. Yeah, by far. And the lady was like, we're not serving beer anymore. What are you talking about? I'm like, what? It's halftime. Yeah. Or no, it was right at they start, the start of third quarters when they stopped. Yeah. What a joke. It, it, oh, it's horrible. It's like some SEC rule or something like that. Uh, not making that mistake this year. Although, honestly, you know. I didn't really care. I didn't care because I was just, it was so, I was so happy to win that game and remember all of it. And yeah, I might try a little similar game plan this year. Although, this year, the game's at 11. Like, if it couldn't get any worse, they just made 11 it. mountain time. Yeah, well, 11 a.m. mountain time. Yeah. So, what, 1 o'clock for you guys. But yeah. New Year's Day, it is going to be a struggle. Just if I can get somewhere near the stadium by ten o'clock, I'll be happy. Like yeah. that's my only. I don't care about tailgating, pregaming, any of that. You know, if I have time to, I will. Maybe I'll make a drink before, but I'm staying thirty minutes from the stadium. I just want to get there on time. All right, so let's go. Let's go back to last year. Let's talk about the game. Actually, well, yeah, <laughs> we're talking about the alcohol. So. What was the spread? It was UCF plus ten, right? I it fluctuated. I think I got it like eleven or something like that. We're big what, underdogs what again. What was your? Because I remember remember a little bit about before the game. This surprisingly, this was one game last year that I had no money on. Nothing <laughs> didn't. I don't big know wuss. why I didn't do it, but I, I just had no money on the game. It, it happens. So go back to maybe your thoughts before the game. Like, what was your confidence level? Well, I don't even remember what people were saying other I, than Auburn's going to destroy you and blah, blah, blah. Well, a lot the, the big narrative going up was the SEC speed thing. But the thing I was worried about is our, our line matching up. Because, and again, this is what you get for listening to these talking idiots on TV. But they were all saying, you know, that they were just going to crush it up front. You know, all their guys were so much bigger and stronger on their D-line and their O-line. And it made me just feel like we were just going to get dominated on both sides of the ball. And, I mean, I was, I'll was i be honest, I wasn't that confident. I wanted to win. I thought we could win, but I wasn't really expecting to win. I was just kind of more happy to be there in my own head. Right. I'll be honest with you. I do remember telling my friend Vince when we were waiting. <laughs> we went to go get a beer, like, almost before halftime. That was our last beer. And I remember looking at the score, and I think it was, like, 13-6, that was like the halftime score. 10-6. No, 13-6 no, maybe. Yeah. It was something like that. And I was like, and he asked me what I thought about the game. And I was like, you know what, dude? We had a lead on Auburn in the Peach Bowl. <laughs> and no one can take that away from us, no matter what happens the rest <laughs> of the game. Because I just oh, figured man. like, oh, they're probably going to come back, you know, destroy us at the end. But Well, I, just- I mean, 13-6 going into halftime. They come out, tie it. Yep. Then wow. they Then they score again. 
twice in a row we after we like three and out and yeah, i'm like I pretty oh much thought it was over i'm <laughs> like oh there we go <laughs> yeah and then uh after that it was all ucf and it was glorious and it was the best day of my life and i will never forget the look on the people's faces around me because i never stopped believing i never stopped talking crap to them all game and then when you know auburn scored those two touchdowns like who hey, what no what no you still gonna talk i'm like hell yeah i'm gonna talk because I, I i could tell at that point I mean, we weren't clicking on offense, and we were still kind of beating Auburn, especially in the first half. Like, we were just off on our throws and stuff, but we looked better than them. And the team found its confidence in the second half. And, and you know, we were just a couple plays away from really, really blowing them out. Like, that Otis yeah. pass where he just overthrew him by, like, inches. I mean, that game, it wasn't even close. You know, they ended up scoring a little bit at the end. But it kind of seems like that's how the team is – you know, this year, maybe coming out a little flat, like in the Memphis game, or yeah. not playing up to, you know, our best, the best of our ability, and then the second half just but, unleashing. You know, also last year, the narrative was we had no defense. And, you know, we give up 40-something points to Memphis and then, you know, 42 points to USF. I thought it was going to be, like, a shootout and I was like we really need to stop Auburn and even though Auburn Auburn wasn't known as having that great of an offense you know they had carry on Johnson once we showed that we could stop them on defense I knew the offense was going to start clicking and then that's when I really really got confident in, in us winning and it was still like I, I remember the thoughts going through my head I'm like this is unbelievable this is actually going to happen but it was believable it wasn't like we were fluky beating them off a couple lucky plays we were just better than them and it was amazing. No, I mean we were. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if you look at, if you saw the game at all, there's no way you could say that they were a better team than us. No, no we're way. Just, we're smothering overall them. for the full sixty minutes, as yep. Coach Hype would like to say. <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely went one and zero that day. What an awesome way, you know, the whole frost thing. Which I'm glad we haven't had to talk about that lately. But you know, it it stunk, and that was a nice way for him to leave. You know, he he really did. Did us good by coming back and coaching, and uh, can't hate the guy. So definitely, uh, yeah, that was an awesome game. And I can't believe now we are talking about our possible third NY6 bowl win in six years, which is like unheard of for any program. For a so-called G5, that's just absurd. Boise, they won two. They were two and three, I think, right? I think so, yeah. So that's up there, but we, we can't lose this one. And this one, you know, we talk, I talk about this a little bit in my interview later, but this one, this isn't just UCF versus LSU. This isn't just G5 versus SEC or P5. We're playing for not just all the G5 schools, but for playoff expansion. I mean, there's so much stuff that, that this game comes down to, and I can't wait to see what the ratings are going to be like. I don't know anyone that's not going to be watching oh, it's gonna this it's going to be huge. Everyone that I talk to, you know, they know I'm a huge UCF fan, so they gotta <laughs> they they gotta talk UCF with me. But I think even the casual sports fan, yeah, not only just the casual college football fan, the casual sports fan wants to tune in and see, you know, what we're gonna do. We want, dude, we've won 25 games in a row, yeah. bro. And it's like the David and Goliath. Like, there's so many little different. Like, you either want to see us lose. So you're going to watch or you want to see us, you know, complete the second magical yeah. undefeated season. Yeah. There's and no reason why you shouldn't be watching this game. And then you add in, you know, the Milton thing and Mac and there's just so much. I mean, people have said this a million times. But it doesn't get old. I mean, the 30 for 30, if we win this game, is just oh, going to yeah. be insane. 
Well, uh, think about this too. Like the freshmen. So the freshmen, or I'm sorry, the seniors, when they were freshmen, was the 0 and 12 year. Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. Then they had six and seven. Then that was the Cure Bowl loss and the Peach Bowl. Then it was last year. Now this. I mean, this is literally started from the bottom. Yeah. Now to these, the top, all the, the way. These players have earned it. Um, they, they've really stuck around through thick and thin. And, you know, I, after last year's Peach Bowl, I mean, I don't think anyone thought it would ever get better than that. You know, we all had high expectations coming into this year, but no one saw this coming like like it is now. No one expected that. And the Peach Bowl thing is like, all right, we proved ourselves against the SEC. People can hate on it all they want, but we did it. We can say we did it. No one can ever take that away from us. And now we're just we're still building off of that. Like it's it's crazy. It's I'm just so excited. I, I wish I could just you know fast forward like I keep saying. But oh, we're getting there. It'll, we're it'll, getting there. It's getting close. It'll come soon. All right. So let's talk about some other stuff at the Fiesta Bowl. I want to go over some events that are going on. I'm hosting a party at the Bottled Blonde on Sunday, the 30th, uh, starting about 8 p.m. This bar was highly recommended by like three or four different alumni that don't even know each other so like different groups of people it's gonna be a really really good time um the guy sent me some videos of the place this place is just awesome it's like a sports bar and like a nightclub had a baby kind of it's gonna be really really fun so i'll see you guys there for new year's eve carson ingle and i think jessica rooney from the new york alumni club are throwing a uh kind of a private ucf party they got this like mansion place it's really nice it's 85 bucks for open bar ticket price are going to be going up and if you want more details on either of those parties, you can go to ucffiesta.com. Also, a little bit cheaper, New Year's, New Year's option, um, Borges is playing. He's a DJ at Maya Nightclub in Scottsdale. Oh, what? I've actually heard of him. Yeah, Borges. It's big time. And uh, tickets are $25. You get $5 off with promo code Maya, N-Y-E, UCF. That's M-A-Y-A, N-Y-E, UCF. $5 off. Tweet me if you need any more info or the links for any of this, but that'll be a good time. Are you going to that? Yeah, I'm probably going to go to oh, that. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I might get a little, little table, bottle service. It's New Year's, man. You? Yeah, a table? Well, <laughs> well, you know, I got a little extra spending money for the holidays this year. Let's hey. just say. Santa came early. Anyway, yeah, so that'll be fun. If you need any tips or anything, hit me up, but that's all the stuff going on. And for game after party... Oh, man, it's going to be crazy. I don't have anything planned yet, but I'm thinking we just go back to Bottle Blonde. I don't want to tell them that we're going back yet because I want to make sure the first night's good, but from what everyone said, <laughs> that's kind of going to be the spot. So I'll tweet that out. We'll figure it out. But anyway, that's everything that's going I was on. So, I mean, it just from experience at the Peach Bowl, like after the game, I was so dead. Like I just wanted to go back I didn't, to the hotel. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't go. I didn't go out. I just sat on the couch and watched the football games for the rest of the day. But that's because I – Really, really poorly planned out the like the couple days of partying before that. First of all, I got there like four days before the game, and of course, when I got there, I had a bunch of friends that not UCF people in Atlanta that wanted to go out and party the first couple nights I was there. So I was dead, and then I had to do New Year's, and then I was like super dead. So I'm not doing it that way this year. Uh, no, it's gonna I'm- be even worse because you're gonna be in <laughs> Vegas for like four days. Oh shoot! Before. All right, well, if I can just nap for, like, one day, and then I'll reset and be fine for another couple days. But, yeah, anyway, it's going to be a good time. Hopefully, I'm not too dead for the game after party. Um, I can't wait. All right, so game a little bit. let's talk about the game a little bit. Yeah, there's actually a game, not just partying. Well, we're going there to play football. 
what are your kind of thoughts or what have you seen in the last, you know, since our last podcast about our, how we match up against LSU? Well, first off, I want to talk about the spread. I think that, you know, it's changed a little bit since the last time that we talked. It's gone up and down or down and up, depending on how you're looking at it. Yeah, and, and the line hasn't actually moved. It's the VIG that yeah. we call um, in the sports betting world that's changed a little bit. So the line has stayed around at seven and a half, UCF plus seven and a half. But the VIG has changed from minus 105 down to minus 115 down to minus 120. So that just means the payout's a little different. Right. I, although I saw it on my book, it went to eight at one point, and now it's back to seven and a half. But it's all okay. generally in the same spot. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing that's going to change your bet. You know, we're just talking a couple bucks on the dollar. Right. For me, I think that it's going to move closer towards seven. I agree. Personally. I think the the sharp bettors are waiting to get the biggest line possible, and then maybe like the day before the game, they're all going to go heavy on UCF. I I don't think so, too. You know, the last two years, people got destroyed betting against us. I don't think people are dumb this time. So, in closing, if you want to bet UCF, I would do it ASAP. Yeah. To Um, try and get the best line. So speaking anyway, of anyway, we'll go to the game. Well, no, no, speaking well, of, go how, ahead. How much you betting this time? I don't know. I I don't know. I, don't I know. mean, I have I have an amount out there now at a very good line. I got yeah. the money line at plus two sixty five. Wow. So wow. I'm thinking about waiting for it to creep back there, but like I said, I, I don't. I think it's going the other way. Yeah. So I might just stick with. The amount that I have right now, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't know how much I'm doing. Probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the teams. All right. So I, I don't know. I mean, we talked about we talk about UCF every single podcast, and we pretty much know what we got. Well, yeah, we're a UCF podcast. That's the biggest thing job. I think is both of the teams' so-called weaknesses. Okay. Our so-called weakness is the defense. Their weakness is their offense. It looks like to be a perfect matchup, you know, our offense, which is our huge strength, against their defense, which is also their huge strength. So you're saying like half the game is going to be good and half the game is going to be boring. Well, I don't know. You know, they haven't played a team like us and vice versa. So it all depends. I do know their offense is pretty horrible. They're, they do settle for like a ton of field goals. Although they do have a really, really good field goal kicker. Is it the guy with the goggles? No, that guy's on Georgia. Oh, man. But he, we have not faced a team with a really good kicker. Usually we're facing a team with a really bad kicker. And it, it helps, helps us. us out. You know, a la Memphis or Cincinnati. Yeah. But this guy, I mean, if this comes down to a field goal or something, it, it's, it's going to be tough. This kid, Cole Tracy on LSU, he's kicked three... 50-plus-yard field goals, which is, like, unheard of in college. And he's 25 of 29 on the year. For reference, Matty Wright, I think, has only kicked 12 field goals because we don't settle for field goals. We score touchdowns. Yeah. So, anyway. I don't think it'll come down to a field goal. I don't think so either, but it, it just it scares me a little bit that this guy. They have the weapon there. You know, it's they available. have the weapon. They do run the ball a lot. They do have a feature back, Nick Brosette. 211 carries on the year, only averaging 4.4, though. Their whole team's only averaging 4.1 yards a carry. I mean, that's we're double that. For reference, Greg McRae <laughs> kind of 
off the charts, though. It averages nine yards a carry, and Taj McGowan averages 6.7. Now, we're here's the thing. You know, it's going to come down to our offense versus their defense for the most part. That's the big matchup. Yeah, That's absolutely. Both of our strengths. Now, they will be without their top two corners. Oh, so some other four-star recruits. Like, granted, yeah, I mean, some other on. four- or five-star recruit. So I just, I'm not really looking into that that much. But. You know, I, I hate to use this analogy, but I have a feeling that this game is going to be a lot like last year's Peach Bowl. Maybe a little slow start, and then our offense starts to click. You know, that was the big kind of matchup last year. And – Similarly, our defense really stepped up last year when people thought that was going to be our weakness. If you watch their games, I mean, their offense is just boring and not good. Their quarterback's mediocre. He only has 12 touchdown passes all season. Yeah, Joe Burrow, the LSU quarterback, has only thrown for over 300 yards one time this season, and it was against Rice. Rice is a bottom (laughs) 10 team in the nation. UCF quarterbacks between Milton and Mack, they've thrown for over 300 yards five times this year. So it's, so it's a run. It's like a run, run, run. This is like a Georgia Leary offense at LSU. <laughs> yeah, it really running. is. And I, I just don't see where they're going to score points. I, don't. I mean, how do you score zero against Alabama? I mean, zero. I, Even the Citadel scored scored some against I know. Alabama. And they were at home. Yeah, that's the crazy that thing. One of the hardest stadiums to go and play in, and they got shut out. I mean, they got embarrassed. That was just And bad. obviously UCF is better at home than they are away, but of course we've shown time and time again over the last two years that we can win those big away games. Exactly. And even though I think the ticket sales and the turnout, you know, for the Fiesta Bowl being the great distance that it is from Orlando, I still think we're gonna have a pretty good showing. Definitely a better showing than the first Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Just because we're so much bigger of a program in Agreed. the last five we'll years. We'll probably I don't know how many fans we had the first time. I, I, I tried to find crowd shots. It's just tough to tell because Baylor had like a dark green that everyone was wearing. So mm-hmm. it's tough to see about black on. But I would say, you know, if we had 5,000 last time, we'll definitely have 10 or whatever it was, definitely going to be double. I mean, I know a ton of people going that didn't go last time. Mm-hmm. I, only, I actually only know like maybe five people that went last time or knew five people at the time, obviously more now. Yeah, I think the turnout's going to be great. I think the game is going to be great. Back to LSU's defense, too. They have the second-best scoring defense that we'll have played against this year. They're only giving up 21 points a game. Obviously, we average over 30. We're all, we will score at least 30, and that's what I don't see LSU scoring more than 30, and that's just why I think we're going to win, just plain and simple. Now, the best scoring defense that we played all year was Cincinnati. They only give up about 16 points a game. Yeah, well, that, that didn't we work out. 38 on. Yeah, that didn't work out very good for them. Yeah, so again, it's just it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. My prediction, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I still think we'll score 30. Uh, but I really think just from start to finish, we pretty much wear them out. I, I, I think we're going to win. My, my score prediction is going to be... 31-17. I, I was going to say. T- I've been saying it all along. I think we win by two touchdowns. 38-14. Okay. I'm always a little more extreme on my guesses yeah. than you, though. <laughs> but uh, that's just kind of our styles. No, I I agree. Obviously, you know, a closer game might be a little more fun. You know, I remember last year when Auburn was coming back, and I was just like, no, 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 this can't happen. And uh, my friend next to me was like, dude, this wouldn't be a UCF game if they didn't come back, and it's just going to be that yeah, much exactly. better when they win. 
And it really was because that little bit of nervousness at the end just made it even better when we finally got that interception with them driving. Like that moment was just awesome. Oh, yeah. We would have had that moment, you know? It was just like we would have ran the clock out. And Plus, I mean, we don't lose, so we it, can't. Exactly. Can't lose. I'm, I've never been <laughs> uh, – this is going to be amazing. I'm, I'm like speechless. I, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And, uh, yeah, maybe this will finally shut all the haters up. No. Win. It's not going to. I'll just find something else to hate. But on. we will have another, what, eight months? Yes. Eight months of trash talking to say uh, that we're the best and no everyone's going to hate it. on us and blah, blah, blah. It's another shirt we get to buy. Speaking of shirts, just m- my own opinion while I'm looking at your shirt. like <laughs> I'm like, what? Did I spill something? No, I I don't understand. This is just like a something that grinds my gears a little bit. I don't understand why people buy shirts that just say like Fiesta Bowl. Like, why don't oh. you just wait until we win? Yeah, and then buy the Fiesta Bowl champion shirt. Like, if we know. lose, why would you ever want to wear the shirt that has? I don't know. I bought a Fiesta Bowl shirt before our last one just because I was so excited to have something oh, with really? our logo. Yeah. Oh. Well. But I I get what you're saying. Yeah, I I just don't understand. Like, these things come out, you know, like I'm a huge Red Sox fan. So when the Red Sox, you know, when they win the AL East, I don't go buy an AL East champion hat. Like, I wait until... You don't wait until... I don't don't buy the AL championship championship hat. I wait to see if they're going to win the World Series, and I buy that hat. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I didn't buy any of the conference championship merchandise because I'll wait till the bowl game win and then the conference oh, championship didn't? stuff. Oh, I no. bought both. No, it goes on sale after the bowl win, ding dong. Does it? Yes. Oh, you the know, shirt this year was just so cool. I it, had to buy it. it they're real. both cool, but just wait. I did get it like two days ago. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. Once we win the bowl game, no one's going to want an American Conference Champions hat or shirt. Generally, they're going to sell all the bowl stuff. Yeah. After. Actually, you know what? On Fanatics, what is on sale? Is last, last year's, year's American champion. There you go. It's a good shirt. I have that shirt too. Yeah, I'll have to scoop one of those up. The one thing I don't like though is our um, conference gear is not Nike, so it doesn't fit quite as good. Quality's a little bit less. Oh yeah, yeah, it yeah. isn't. I I, it's not, it's, I went to look at the name brand of the back to back shirt. It was not some, Nike. Yeah, it's something else. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but I can't wait. Anyway. You know, they always do the coolest things with the hats. Last year's hats were terrible. Those stupid dad hats. Um. I'm excited to see what they what they pull out for us this year. All right, we're oh, getting yeah. way, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. No, we need here. another Fiesta Bowl hat. Like, I think that's like top three all time best hats. Our Fiesta Bowl hat. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome with the the like the Tostitos colored yeah. brim underneath. Yeah, that's awesome. Last year's hat was terrible, um, but hey, I'll be on the field, so I'll scoop one up. <laughs> Do we? Hey, no, we don't want to go into that. Nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, next up we've got uh, an interview with former UCF team captain, linebacker Josh Lynham. Really good conversation with him about his career at UCF. We talked about George O'Leary, bowl game preparation, and we got into his coaching career, his traveling overseas. Really talked about everything. Really, really cool guy, Uh, so I think you guys are going to like it. All right, I'm here with former UCF team captain, uh, conference champion, Liberty Bowl champion, Josh Lynham. What's going on? Uh, not much, man. How's it going today? All right, so let's start off uh, with a little bit of background about yourself. You were class of 07 in high school, right? 07, yeah. Right. Uh, I ended up gray-shirting because I had a uh, injured back, so my freshman year was 08. 
Okay, cool. Yes, yeah, so we're, we're the same age. So let's go back to that. You had offers from a couple of different schools. What made you pick UCF at the time? Uh, so I had actually grown up kind of um, going to UCF games in the Citrus Bowl and watching Dante and um, just kind of fell in love with, with the hometown team. And, um, I, you know, I actually, <laughs> it's funny, I, I flip-flopped a little bit because, you know, I was uh, 17 and wanted to make a good decision. Right. I ended up, I decommitted to, um, cause, cause, so I'd be allowed to visit uh, Georgia Tech. Okay. And, um, so I thought my, my offer was going to get pulled, but I ended up committing back to UCF. So then you played from 08 to 2011. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it was it was an it was an awesome experience. I you know met some uh, lifelong friends, learned some some lessons that you know made me who I am and stick with me today. But you know it wasn't always pretty. You know we struggled. We um we've been through it all. We had some ups and downs, winning seasons, losing seasons. But all in all, amazing experience and, and definitely I I think I went to the best university in the world. I can definitely agree with you on that. So your first year was 2008, then right? Correct, yeah. And that we just came off the first conference championship year, but it was kind of a little bit of a, a rebuilding year. And then the next game, we kind of bounce, or sorry, the next year, we bounce back and end up in the uh, St. Petersburg Bowl versus Rutgers. Tell me a little bit about what the whole bowl game experience was like. Yeah, so I think, yeah, we went four and eight, had that down year, and then eight and four. And we're, we're really excited about the bowl game. You know, a lot of us on the team had never experienced anything like that. Right. So um, we we went down there, and St. Pete was actually a blast. Um, we've been there way too many times now. But, yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a blast. Um, it, it being the first time, and um, you know, right there on the beach, and an experience, you know, to play against a Big Ten team. So it was awesome. I agree. It was definitely fun. I went to I think both times we played there, uh, but definitely happy not to have to go back. Hopefully, anytime soon. So for those people here that you know don't really know how much it how the bowl. Uh, I guess the preparation stuff works. What's it like this whole month? Like you're done with classes and stuff. What's the practice schedule like? And then tell me a little bit about the events leading up to the bowl game. Okay, so it it is not glamorous by any means. It's um, camp 2.0. Right, that's, um, that's what I thought. <laughs> especially if uh, Coach O'Leary is your coach, you know. Right. Use it as a just another training camp to um, essentially make all your younger players better, um, get a lot of reps in and uh, continue building your program. So that's a grind. What was the thing? Uh, I always see people joke around about it. What was it on Fridays used to do? Some kind of like crazy conditioning thing that everyone hated? <laughs> yeah, so um, there, there's Friday morning workouts. Yeah, that's what if, it is. If you weren't a part of the travel team, um, you went through hell. Um, leg workout, running the stadium, um, not not pretty. I never actually had to do one, so, but I've heard stories. <laughs> All right, so then that that bowl game obviously was you know cool for us. It was third bowl game ever for UCF, and unfortunately we didn't win. But then the next year we had kind of a chance to redeem ourselves in the Liberty Bowl versus Georgia. That was um, another amazing experience. You know, we went up there um, to practice, and I think um, I remember us having our sweats on, and you know it's snowing out there at practice, and. Um, just you know, we're get, we're not given a chance to win, of course, like every other right. <laughs> game we play, and uh, of course we did. But you know, it was a defensive struggle. It was a battle. Um, I remember jo- Josh Robinson locking down um, AJ Green, and our defensive line just absolutely getting after it. O line paving the way for Tay. It, it was a great game. Yeah, so a lot of good talent on on both of those teams actually. 
that year. But I definitely remember that. That was, you know, that kind of started to put us on the map, you know. Georgia, they weren't having the best season, but, I mean, they're still a big-name SEC school, so that was definitely cool. And then, so your senior year was the next year, right? Yes, and that, um, yeah, very, very disappointing year. Young team, five and seven, I believe. Yeah, I think so. O'Leary's teams always seem to kind of be like that. You have one good year, one off year, one good year. I definitely, you know, have a lot of respect for him and what he did for our program. And I think some of the younger people don't really appreciate him necessarily as much. But you forget, I mean, at least this is my opinion, is that, I mean, we went from almost a nobody to starting to, you know, compete with the big boys. And obviously that all kind of culminated with the Fiesta Bowl that one year. But it was definitely a, a slow process. And he uh, he definitely helped us, you know, get to that next level, I think. Right, yeah. And I, you, can't, you can't discount what he was able to do for us in the process that you have to go through. Now, I don't know the validity of it, but going through Wikipedia and, and kind of learning more about us and who we are and where we come from, it's mm-hmm. truly amazing where we're at right now. So I think we, we really need to slow down and really, truly appreciate where we're at. I, I agree. And it's, you know, it's all happened in such a short amount of time. We've only been a, a D1 program for like, I think, two decades, maybe like 1996 was the first year. Um, yeah, I read 96. We were D3 in 1979. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. We've definitely come a long way, and uh, you know, I, I tell people this every week on the podcast. You just just appreciate this because this this is just absolutely insane. Uh, I don't think anyone ever thought we would be this successful this fast. It's just awesome. You know, look over to the West. We could be right where they are right now, which is you know spinning their tires nowhere. So definitely appreciative of that. Talking about George, I always like to ask people this. Do you have like a favorite story or something like that? I mean, he was just such a he's just such a character. I, I love asking people about him. Uh, he was great. Um, you know, a lot of them I'm, I'm not going to go on air and say. Yeah, obviously. Because um, <laughs> you know you want to you want to keep that tight knit family. Coach O'Leary always said it's a circle. You know, you you, right. you um ruin a team from the inside out. But um, there there's some good ones. There's one. Um, yeah, I think it was um the spring spring practice right after we uh, were conference champions and won the Liberty Bowl. I had gotten a double hernia, double sports hernia surgery that I had during the season, and we're getting ready for spring practice. And um, I think it's the mo- morning after I, I had gotten it, so I'm, you know, I'm I'm all drunk on pain pills and feeling <laughs> like crap, and I'm sitting in the in the um, meeting room listening um, to the defense coordinator and Coach O'Leary's eyes. I feel him weighing down on me, and he I look up and he's looking at me, and he sees a, an ice bag. Um, on me and he just absolutely lost it and he said this isn't this isn't the training room what are you doing grabs the ice bag throws it against the wall <laughs> and just i didn't say anything i stared at him yes sir. for what felt like 10 minutes and just kept <laughs> trying to stay cool it, it was tough <laughs> yeah i bet he's uh um, he's he's hilarious man definitely a personality but i've only heard good things from all the former players i've talked to about him definitely yeah no doubt he, did. he um he, he held us accountable and and made us grow up and, and be men and he actually took the program from um it being quite a mess i heard it was the wild west and he kind of instilled a lot of the things the discipline that, that we needed yeah, and you know another thing too is if you look at the amount of NFL talent that he cranked out while he was there, it's uh it's more than most other schools, especially with the you know amount of success that we kind of had or didn't have at the time. I think we have a, a disproportional amount of people in the NFL that were under Coach O'Leary compared to you know similar programs from how we were at the time, and I think that's a testament to 
you know, his coaching style and his discipline and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it definitely is. He, he prepares you and he, 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 scouts know that um, you're ready. If Once you go through the program, you're ready to make that transition. Right. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your transition from as a player. And then O'Leary, he, you know, he hired you on as a, as a grad assistant, right? Yep. I, um, yeah, I ended up, I was in training camp with the um, Chargers and then hurt my ankle and then got signed by the Dolphins, got cut again, and then ended up going into coaching. And first spot was a D3 school called Huntington in Montgomery, Alabama. Was the linebackers coach, was back in Orlando recruiting, went in to see Coach O'Leary, and um, he ended up offering me an offensive, a GA graduate assistant position. That's awesome. Speaking of recruiting, by the way, real quick, I, w- I always want to ask this. How many hours a week when you're a coach between recruiting and actually coaching and stuff do you have to put in uh, during the season like that? The specific amount, I don't know. Like for recruiting, I mean, you I mean, know, probably an hour, hour or two a day. Right. Um, just depending on what part of the season. But during that, that span of through camp all the way to the bowl game, you'll have a lot of 16, 17, 18-hour days. I mean, that's that's not – atypical at all right that's just crazy you forget about that and now we've got all this kind of dead time so i've been paying more attention to recruiting and it's like these coaches aren't stopping i mean i think we're in the dead period now but it's like as soon as the conference championship game was over they're you know hopping on planes and making drives all around florida to to get on the recruits and uh, i think we're gonna have a pretty good class this year it's shaping up to be yeah, it's looking that way. I mean, who wouldn't want to be in Orlando UCF right now? Exactly, uh, especially you know with all our success and also you know our facilities and everything are state of the art too. We're we're catching up in the the arms race with all the other bigger schools, so the future is definitely bright. Uh, but all right, so back to coaching. So you start off as an offensive GA. Kind of take me through, I guess, the rest of your career and how you ended up. Uh, you're in Germany now, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll head there in March. But um, yeah, I've, I've been five places in five years, and um, it started, you know, at D three school, and then back at UCF. You know, the eighth game of the year um, when we were zero and eight, I was, a, I was a part of that. Um, Good times, Coach <laughs> Coach O'Leary. Yeah, um, Coach O'Leary was uh, kind of forced to step down, and um, Coach Danny Barrett took over, and so we went through that transition, and then I was through the transition with um, Coach Frost being hired on. And I saw that for for a few months. Um, what, what was the main difference? I mean, obviously they're like night and day, George to Frost. But what was one of the main, I guess, differences that you noticed with you know how Frost kind of runs the program or ran the program? Yeah, you know, it's this day and age and this generation of kids. I think you have to show how much you care about them, and they're smart. You have to give them a why as to why they're doing things. Right and. Coach O'Leary, you know, was great with the discipline and everything, but it was hard for him to pivot, you know, so to speak, and coach this t- this generation of guys. And not- nothing bad about the guys or Coach O'Leary just was what it was. And Coach Frost was kind of that guy who came in and said, you know, I, I care about you, I love you, we're going to do this together, we're going to be a family, and just it's it sparked and ignited a whole lot of energy, and people got. You know, they came together that, that made him closer, and that that's when we kind of started to take off again. I feel like that's our automatic, like, defense mechanism and stuff is, oh, you guys are 0-12. You know, that's a lot of a thing that fans of other schools like to kind of lean on um, when, you know, talking trash, especially on Twitter. But, you know, people forget we needed that to end up where we are now. You know, if we win, a, if George wins a couple games, even maybe just one game that season, he finishes it out. Um, you know, Brent Key steps in probably as head coach and George is AD. And I mean, 
we're just not where we are today. So, I mean, it, it stunk, obviously. Uh, you know, it's more for you and the players, obviously. But I think it was definitely necessary to get us where we are today. Absolutely. Um, if you look back at our history and you, we were on that we at the time had the nation's longest losing streak at 17 <laughs> games. And look at that. Now, the, the irony of that is unbelievable that we we <laughs> we tore down the goalposts. And I think students came back and jumped in the reflection pond for beating Marshall. Yep. And ending a 17 game losing streak. So, I mean, it that's got to put in perspective for you. Sometimes you go through those things and the, and the failures to kind of reignite, you know, your passion and, and get your, uh, you know, get back on the track, winning track. Yeah, definitely. So after, let's see, after you were at UCF with Frost, uh, you went to UF, right? Yep. Yeah, um, coach Collins, um, Jeff Collins was my linebacker coach for two years. Okay. First two years at UCF. So he, um, I knew him really well. We had a good relationship. He brought me, so you have to be defense graduate assistant with him. Nice, nice. And he just got that job. Uh, where, where is he at? Georgia Tech now, I think. Georgia Tech. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I followed him from Florida to Temple, and then um, yeah, he just got the Georgia Tech job. He's going to do a great job there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of happy he's not the Temple coach anymore because that program is definitely trending in the right direction. But it also stinks to see, uh, you know, these coaches get plucked out of our conference. It's like you know, two, three of them per year kind of stinks but you know obviously happy for him and, and his success as well um all right so then after temple germany yeah so um th- yeah this is all all pretty recent i'd kind of just gotten um promoted at temple and um you know I, i've been battling for this since i since i got into business i have you know big dreams to travel and see the world right and college football doesn't provide that opportunity really um the opposite almost (laughs) yeah exactly and um you know i wanted to combine those two passions together and kind of did some searching and um uncovering of some things and i didn't realize how big of a thing you know football is american football is growing overseas i didn't i didn't either until you told me you were playing for germany and i looked up the league and actually saw how long it's been around and stuff yeah, and it's it's taken off, and there's actually a lot of former D1, 1AA, D2 college athletes from the states, and former guys that are NFL practice squads. Um, there's there's a good level, level of football, probably outside of the NFL in Canada. It's probably number three as far as competition um, and talent goes. So, but I actually before that I was dying to see Australia. So I took a job as a head coach for a Australian American football team. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't know they had football in Australia. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a long way to go, but um, it, it's gaining gaining some momentum and interest. And um, it's not where where rugby is, obviously. But um, it was able I was able to you know travel to Australia and see a a, a lot of Australia and lived in Melbourne and hung out with kangaroos, <laughs> did, did all kinds of exploring. So it was an amazing, you know, you never, I, I never dreamed I'd ever get to go to Australia. So football kind of allowed me to do that. And then just the, an, another guy in my network reached out to me and said they're looking for a defense coordinator in Germany, just south of Berlin. So that's the next spot. Right. Well, that's awesome. Congrats, congrats on all that. And, you know, that's cool. If you had waited longer in your career coaching, if that's what you wanted to keep doing, you kind of get stuck where you can't, travel and do this kind of stuff because you're climbing up, you know, climbing up the kind of career path and you can't just take a step back necessarily, you know, say you're like a DC at a a decent program 
it's tough to, I think, maybe go overseas. So it's cool you're definitely taking advantage of that while you're young. And uh, anyone listening out there, definitely try and get some traveling and stuff in when you're, you know, right out of college. Um, that's what I got to do. And, you know, next thing you know, you're stuck in your career and you might have kids and stuff like that. And it makes it really hard to do all that stuff. So definitely uh, highly recommend that. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about this year's team. How do you feel about, you know, going into this bowl game against LSU? I feel good about it. I think I think we have a good matchup. Their offense, obviously, I don't think is anything to write home about. And the defense, I think, if we have a good game plan, the amount of skill athletes on the field and the speed that we have, I think we can utilize to our advantage. And I don't think that the LSU defense is way better than some of the you know Auburn facing them last year and um, things like that. I, I think we we fare pretty well. I think we're gonna. Uh, what's the spread like seven spreads yeah it's been going between seven and eight something around there i think we win by that much honestly the other way right yeah i'd I'd say i'd say ucf by seven yeah i i definitely agree with you on on the matchup you know we've played some decent defenses this year people just don't want to give our conference any credit but you know uh, temple had a decent defense cincinnati was ranked in like the top five until we played them and they couldn't really stop us at all. And on the other side, you know, they had a decent offense and they couldn't put up many yeah. points. Yeah, I, I'm really excited going into this game. You know, we've been talking about it all year, but this this means so much more, not just for our school, but for like all of college football. A win here is going to change stuff permanently. I think it'll fast forward, you know, the playoff expansion to eight sooner than it would have been if it would have expanded at all. And also just shows, you know, I think because no one even really gave us credit after Auburn this year, last year. Um, I think finally people will start to take us seriously, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. What do you think? Uh, yeah, no, we, we are definitely applying pressure to the powers that be, to putting them on notice and telling them there is not a huge difference in the conference affiliation. That if good football is good football and some of the best football is being played right here in Orlando. So uh, they have to take note of that and, and do, make some changes. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, let me think. What else? Oh, you worked – you coached with Randy Shannon at UF. Tell, tell us a little bit about him because a lot of people, you know, give him kind of a hard time throughout the season, but I think he's done a great job. Yeah, Coach Shannon um, is a great guy. Um, he is very highly respected and, and for a reason. He's kind of like – everybody's uncle that they look up to and he he was like that for me as well you know uh-huh. took me out to took me out to dinner and uh just a good guy and he um you know we did have some struggles in, in the first half of games this year but um a lot there's a lot to be said about going in at halftime and making necessary adjustments to doing what you got to do to go out and, and win a game and win, which we did in all of them so that says a lot yeah, and I think we've outscored Memphis like 40-3 to three or something like that in the second half of both those games, which, um, you know, obviously the players have to execute, but it definitely, I think, starts with, you know, the coaches making adjustments. You know, when we first got Coach Heupel and I heard they brought in Shannon too, I, I just thought that was a perfect combination, um, you know, between his, his intelligence with defense and also his recruiting and everything, and it, it's looked like it's really shaped out to be a, kind of a good marriage with those two. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely going to help in recruiting. The respect that he has down there and um, his name in South Florida um, goes a long way. So it's a good it's a good match for sure. I'm excited. I just hope we can keep this uh, this group of coaches together for more than two years this time. But I guess we'll have to <laughs> it's, see. It's it's hard this day and age, man. Like that's that's another thing about the AAC is that's where they're grabbing coaches from because we're playing a great 
great brand of football, and that, that's that's where you're going to get the next big time SEC or ACC coach yeah. from. So, and uh, yeah, like I said, it seems like you know two or three of them get plucked out every year almost. So, uh, just gotta you know enjoy it while we have them. Uh, who's the best? Who's the best player you've either played with or against uh, football? <laughs> Um, I know it's a tough question, but <laughs> uh, Bruce Miller is the best play I've ever played with. Um, yeah, he was he was a, he was a beast, man. Yeah, just unbelievable. It didn't didn't really pass the eye test uh, as far as physical <laughs> attributes, but um, short little white guy, <laughs> <laughs> absolute monster. And then playing against, I'd have to say, oh man, probably an probably an AJ Green or. You know, some of those quarterbacks are really good too that we used to face the conference USA Case Keenum oh, and I guys like that. Him. Houston, right? Yeah, I remember I think they came in in oh nine and they're ranked twelfth and we knocked them off and, and that was a huge win for us. A lot of talent comes through here, coaching and player wise. You know, really the only thing, in my opinion, is that automatic NY six bull bit is the only thing holding us back from being considered really a power six conference because if you look at our conference's record versus, you know, the P five schools or whatever, it's over five hundred. You know, looking back to last year's bowl games and some of the regular season games this year, I think really that's the only difference. That and obviously the TV contract. You know, all the all the P five schools get like thirty million a year, and we get means a little two million. But <laughs> yep, um, I mean that that makes all the difference right there is that that TV uh, revenue money well, right there. Well, and ju- just imagine how good you know these football programs would be with that extra, not even thirty million, an extra you know ten fifteen million. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, the product on the field speaks for itself. Is all I gotta say. It, absolutely, and I mean, Orlando's growing. the The TV market's good. I mean, there there's not a lot of bad things you can say about where we're at right now, and we just gotta continue to appreciate it and be grateful and kind of kind of live in this moment right now because it it doesn't get much better than this. No, it it definitely doesn't. And I would say the only thing we're missing is a path to the playoff, and we can't control that. So we just gotta keep winning, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the mantra we've used all season going one and out, like that is working. We're we're trusting the process. We're you know not not getting too far ahead of ourselves, and it, what we're doing right now is working, and yep. it's it's show it's paying off. I agree. Uh, it's definitely awesome. All right, is there anything else you wanted to bring up, talk about? No, just you know, let's uh let's try to get as many fans as we can out to Arizona, which Arizona, Scottsdale, but that whole area is amazing. Um people will have a great time if they go out there and i'm excited to get a chance to go out there and watch us win another new year's new year's six game yeah i agree uh you know on the last podcast i was pleading with people i'm like beg for christmas money quit your job do whatever it takes but seriously I mean, we need everyone out there because it makes a difference um that fan support and it you will not regret making that trip out there you can pay off your credit cards later this is once in a lifetime we might never get back here you never know so Kind of going back to what you said about about traveling and and you, you know where UCF is right now and the the bowl game like we if we can just live in the moment and take chances and not be scared to do things based off of what other people think and just go chase our dreams like UCF has been doing and innovating and challenging ourselves to to be great each day I mean it's it's gonna only gonna be never gonna regret that exactly it's all about you know life's all about the experiences and enjoying the ride and i I think that's a perfect analogy that you just gave yeah absolutely all right well hey thanks a lot man this has been a lot of fun um i'll see you out there in arizona right awesome man yeah thanks for having me looking forward to seeing you out there all right dude go nights go night see you 
All right, now it's time for our favorite segment, Money Moves Picks of the Week. All right, guys, on our last podcast, I said that I was going to pick all 40 or whatever bowl games, and I started to think about it, and that seemed pretty boring, and I don't think that anyone would actually want to listen to that. And it would also take like two hours forever. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I started researching for a couple of the games. And I was like, that this is going to take forever yeah, to try and give you some quality research <laughs> exactly. on every single game. Can't, so Can't water down the product. I'm not going to waste everybody's time. We're just going to go with five this time. I think I did five in week one, uh, three yeah. all the other weeks. So we'll take five. And actually, I picked one earlier in the week. If you followed me on Twitter at UCF, you would have cashed in on this easy, easy winner. First one we have was Fresno State minus four and a half against Arizona State. I had some notes written down and the game's already happened. Fresno State won, easily covered. Hey, you put it on Twitter, it counts. I I did put it on Twitter, so go back and check. Anyway, I'll I'll see if my notes and predictions came true. But I I said Arizona State, you know, they got a running back. It's got over 1,500 yards rushing. Eno Benjamin, if you watch the game, it's actually a pretty good game. Eno Benjamin did run all over Fresno State, but Fresno State, they had a really tough defense. They only allow 13 points a game. This game, they only they did give up 20, and they were on a high after beating their rival Boise State in overtime for the Mountain West Conference Championship, which they you could clearly see they were, and it was an easy winner. So there was my handicap, minus 4.5. Already won. Follow me on Twitter. Cool. All right. <laughs> what else we got? Okay. The second pick is the USF Bulls. What? Plus two and a half. Getting points <laughs> at home. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Yeah, it's pretty first, bad. First Marshall. Anyway, they're playing Conference USA powerhouse Marshall. Here's the thing. Business as usual here for USF. They're in their home stadium. Literally nothing's changed. The game's around Christmas. They don't have to, like, fly, you know, some random mass place, you know, Birmingham Bowl. That's horrible to go go to, spend Birmingham, you know, maybe with some of your family. Anyway, they're all getting to stay home. They're all chilled, nice, you know, ready, ready to get that win after losing five or six in a row. But anyway, for Marshall, this is like a free Christmas vacation to Florida. You know, there's a ton of distractions, you know, I'm sure some of their family or most of their family came down, you know, to just check out Tampa, blah, blah, blah. It's Christmas time. This is all just, you know, a vacation for them. USF also losing their offensive coordinator so he could go coach at an FCS school, which is actually a good thing for them. He sucked. Yeah, he was horrible. Even their own fans. They're all, yeah, they had signs up at our game, actually. Saying fire, I forget his name, Collins or whatever. So they didn't have to fire him. He left on his own to go back to FCS, which is basically Division II. So I see this as a plus for the Bulls. And getting two and a half points, I think they'll be motivated. Again, Marshall, total vacation for them. They're just happy to be there. Yeah, you know what? That's what we said when we played in the Cure Bowl and Arkansas State came here. And we were not focused or ready or anything like that at all for that game. So well, you, you kind of got a point. I, I don't know. <laughs> but we weren't getting two and a half points. Not that that would have yeah, mattered. No, we were 12-point <laughs> favorites, and we still lost. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, you want to bet against me? Go ahead. Oh, I don't know. I, I 
I would not have been very profitable if I did that all season, so I might refrain from betting against you at this point. But I just wanted to mention that. It was very similar to our Cure Bowl year. You know, we just didn't care about being there. We barely showed up to the events and stuff all week. For them, it was like a vacation, but they were, you know, a little motivated to play. Yeah, you do, I don't know. You do have a good point. These bowl games but, are tough to judge, man, sometimes. It is. You don't know who actually wants to win or not. Because either of those storylines could play out and be true. And Absolutely. You, and you'd be like, oh, it makes sense. Right. So I, I get what you're saying. So, yeah, I for me, I'm taking USF. Don't really want to, but it's definitely, I think, in our favor to take the two and a half points with the Bulls. Marshall also has that um, their whole airplane thing, you know. I read some article about it. It's like a big thing when they do their bowl game. I don't know. Like a little extra motivation for the team. Anyway, it, it, it means a little more for Marshall. I don't something know. Like their, yeah, but they had like their t- whole team like die in a plane crash or yeah. something. And then there's like these two guys that were supposed to be on the plane that weren't that like travel with the team now. And oh. I don't know. It's worth noting. I mean, this stuff kind of factors in. All right. Debbie Downer. Did I just talk here. you out of your pick? No. <laughs> I'm still going to go with USF. All right. Just saying. Anyway, all right, all what do you right. got next? Pick number three, another American foe here. We're going to take Memphis minus three and a half against Wake Forest. Look, I Wake's know terrible. they are. How are they even a bowl game? Well, Memphis isn't very good either. Hey, now watch <laughs> it. Watch it. Look, I know we crushed their hopes and dreams, Memphis I'm talking about, but I think they bounce back here with a chance to prove themselves against a Power 5 team. Look, if, if you're a team in the American that made a bowl, Temple, Cincinnati, us, USF, Memphis, and you're playing a Power 5 school, well, not USF, and you're playing a Power 5 school, this was us, you know, back in 2010. Exactly. When we played Georgia. When we got, Georgia was not good that year. They were 6-6. and Like, it it doesn't matter to us. It's just the name, and, you know. This is a chance for all of us to prove that our conference is not G5 or whatever they call it. We're Power 6. These games, I think, definitely mean a little more for us, for these American schools. And I agree. I'm going to bet on every single one of us. I think we sweep most of our bowl games. And here's the number one key factor, the number one money move key factor of the game. Wake Forest gives up almost 200 yards rushing a game. Uh, Book it. Memphis done. Next. Which is music to Memphis's running back's ears. Is uh, Henderson playing in the bowl game? That, I I don't don't think it's been announced yet. He's definitely declared for the NFL. If I was him, I would just because, you know, some people aren't really talking about a lot, a lot about him. Yeah, I mean, he finished eighth in the Heisman, I think. But but as a gr- as a group of five running back, I think you really need that show that last showcase. Yeah, I don't know. It's just you know the injury to risk is tough. I think they'll be fine without even him, if though. they don't have him. I, think they'll be I fine. mean, the other two, Patrick Taylor and who was the other guy? Tony, Tony Pollard. Pollard, they ran out, ran all over us yeah. too. So, yep. Next man up. <laughs> I Next like, man I, up. I like that pick. I mean, a lot. Th- this seems pretty easy here. Yeah, I'm gonna pick, I, I'm gonna bet on all the American teams. Maybe a little parlay besides USF. All what right. Else? So the final game was that five? No, that oh no, three. that okay. So four. That well, no, I had Fresno. Yeah, Fresno, USF, Memphis is all you did. Okay, three. So this is four. <laughs> Counting with Moo. <laughs> All right, number four, we're going to go with Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors. This game is actually a pick 'em, so the line is even. So take Hawaii here. 
They are ranked 104th in the country out of like only 109. I think there's only 119 teams in the power rankings, but don't let that fool you. White quarterback Cole McDonald has thrown 35 touchdowns, and they will beat you through the air, completely airing it out all over the field. And number one money move key factor, <laughs> although you d- you disagreed in the last time with the last time I said this, is the game is in Hawaii. It's the Hawaii Bowl. So again, this is just a vacation for Louisiana Tech <laughs> going to Hawaii, but they're just chilling on the beach. You know, enjoying Christmas away from most of their family. So this is something that I like to handicap with. I think I this. Think you disagree well, no. with me. Well, Hawaii is a little bit more of a distraction and a huge travel pain than Tampa is. That's true. Yeah, it's not like everyone's gonna I have mean, their families. Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. I don't know where they're at in Louisiana, but for them to get to, <laughs> you almost just to, say Louisiana Tech. I don't know where they're at. For, I mean, in Louisiana, I don't know where they're at. Okay. Well, Somewhere far from there. Hawaii. Yeah, far from Hawaii. But yeah, again, Hawaii, business as usual, at home. I don't know what Hawaii's road record is, but I would imagine that their home record is way better. Probably. Just from not having to travel. Yeah. So anyway, the lines of pick them, uh, you got to take Hawaii here. I agree. I like it. All right, that was some great handicapping there, you know, really in depth to take Hawaii because they don't have to travel anywhere. Big analytics for Louisiana Tech. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the fifth and final pick, I've said it already. UCF. We're taking UCF. This has to be your number one biggest best bet. This has to be your biggest bet of the year. Like if you've been playing with us all year, you know, I think the second biggest bet. I think. I had a pretty big bet on Pitt this past game against Memphis. I had, a, I had a pretty sizable bet. This has to be your biggest of the year. Like, just yeah. all the marbles. If you've been following me and my picks, you're up eight. You know, you're up eight wins. Yeah. Of 59%. You got to have some money left over. Yeah. Throw, I'm telling you right now, throw it all on UCF. Especially if you listen to me last game with Memphis. I mean, come yeah. on. So the line right now, plus seven and a half. Look, we didn't come here to lose by a touchdown. We came here to win. Put it on the money line. The official pick will be on the spread, plus 7.5, but honestly, don't even worry about that. Just go straight for the money line. UCF is not losing this game. We said it once. We said it before. We're going to have a more in-depth episode with Anthony Squints Lenahan, our re- I want to call him a resident guest. Resident DJ. <laughs> no, well, I feel like we DJ say he's Squints. a guest. He's a no. guest, but he's on all the time. Yeah. Anyway, co-star. Kid has insane in-depth analysis. See that Tristan Hill article? Oh, I did. It just yeah. Bit. About how good he, about how effective he was stopping the run. If you haven't seen it, you, find him this, on Twitter. You gotta fi- find him on Twitter at Squints underscore fifteen. Find his Tristan Hill article. I mean, he pretty much. Breaks it down with gifts and shows just how much of a difference maker Tristan Hill was in stopping the run game. And I hope we, you know, have him out there on the field a lot for LSU. And he might be the reason, you know, we uh, we win this game and stop him. He was definitely a difference maker last game stopping the run. So we'll see. Um, real quick, I was just looking this up. Hawaii, 4-3 and three all time in, in Hawaii Bowls. So Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, one of those was against us. In 2005, the infamous missed extra point. (laughs) 
But uh, anyway, I just want to want to add that in there. Their last one they won, fifty two thirty five. So well, there you go. They're on a one game win streak. There you go. Um, so back to the UCF pick. Bet it. Bet it big. Bet it big. I know you were. Oh yeah. You're pretty much all in, shoving the chips in. I'm not all in. I'm I'm a lot in, and dude, I want so bad to just put a fat bet in Vegas so I have like the ticket, like the physical ticket. But then I was thinking about it. I was like, one. Then I got to go back to Vegas to cash in, which again, no, not you can a, mail it. You can mail it. You can mail it. Yeah, they mail you a check. I don't no, know. I don't think you can mail it. I dude. think you can. No, you got to cash it in. But all right, regardless, I don't want to take the risk of losing the ticket. That's what I'm more worried no. about. I don't mind going. Actually, out. you know what would be really cool is just get like a five dollar. That would be a cool souvenir. Give me like a five dollar just souvenir ticket bet on. Okay. UCF. Yeah. Maybe I'll buy a bunch of them. I'm sure some listeners would want one yeah i mean five bucks just to have it or just I would a, frame that i would say just a dollar but dollar whatever that's kind of cheap well so make five. five i mean <laughs> all right i'll get you so whatever money you line want. only i'll probably get one for me too um can, can you even bet one i think you can bet whatever you want um, i mean they might get annoyed if i'm like okay i have 101 dollar bets yeah, but that's true. i'm probably gonna do i'm thinking about a, a Decent sized money line parlay with the under. I really don't. I don't see it getting over oh, fifty. No, you don't want to do that. And then like the end of the game, if we're up big, but that's not gonna be my only bet. But then if we score again, it, it pays. Li- hey, life's too short to bet the under. It pets. It, I know, but seriously, it pays like six to one. I think so. I'll put like two hundred on it. Just put six times more on the money line only. Yeah, but no, I just I'll bet. <laughs> I'm betting everything. Anyway. I can't wait. I'm going to be rich. You guys are too. Thank you for listening. Possibly. Or whatever. What? You sound like you're going to like share the winnings or something. No, because they're going to listen to us because oh, yeah. we're sharing. Knowledge is wealth. And we are sharing our knowledge and you guys will receive wealth if you listen to our knowledge. Confucius 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next? Recap the picks. All right. Here we go. First one. Hopefully you already bet it because the game's already done. Was Fresno State minus four and a half against Arizona State? Second, we're taking the USF Bulls plus two and a half against Marshall in the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Then we're going to take Memphis minus three and a half against Wake Forest. I don't even know what the name of that bowl is. Then I'm taking Hawaii. McCaffrey passing touchdown. What? <laughs> oh, Ian Thomas! I think, right? Wait, no. Dude, Dottie and Thomas. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is 82? I don't know. All right, so me and Moo are in fantasy playoffs together, and we're literally watching. He's got McCaffrey, and I've got the tight end, Ian Thomas. He's up like 17 on me. These are our only two players left to make it to the finals, and we're watching this unfold in front of us. And McCaffrey just had a passing touchdown, so yeah. Which he like. thought was to his guy, Ian Thomas. But in fact, it was some other, some other big tight end, big <laughs> tight end, <laughs> not Ian Thomas. Anyway, more points for me, McCaffrey passing tutty. All right, uh, go back to your picks. Memphis minus three and a half in the Birmingham Bowl. The next pick was Hawaii Pickham against Louisiana Tech, and the fifth and final one, UCF in the Fiesta Bowl against LSU, plus seven and a half. Let's get, get that, that money. money. Oh, man. Dude, is that the last one of the year? For a while. Dang. I don't know. Do a little basketball. Hey. All I right. Don't know. We haven't been playing up to our 
our standards. I don't want to water basketball. it down with basketball yeah. and like we lose a bunch and stuff. No, Just go was, football yeah. only. If we could go five for five on these, like that yeah, would be that would just end the season. Great way to end the season. Tweet that out at Bear Felica. <laughs> All right, last segment Monday mailbag. Let's open it up. Some good questions this week. Thank you guys as always for your submissions. First question from Aaron Duck Seven: Should UCF stick with the American, try and change the system, or bolt for the Big Twelve at the first opportunity they get and become part of the problem? Very interesting question there, Aaron. We kind of went over this already at the beginning of the show. You know, it all depends on what... I think they're saying if we have an opportunity, do we take it? Oh, if we do have an opportunity. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah, I I said we take it. As long as... Ah, no. As long as Oklahoma, like... (laughs) Oklahoma and Texas don't leave. But, I mean, you know, I I guess it depends on when is the thing. We just, you know, here's the thing. I trust that Danny White will make the best decision with what options he's given at that current time. We can't control what's going to happen later, but I know if it, if he had to pick now, he would do what's best now, and in three years that might change, but Danny White will always do what's best for us, and I'm not worried. Oh, absolutely. 100%. So. In Danny White, we trust. He's never done anything wrong. Nope. In his whole life, he's just, I think. He's smart. It's not like he just <laughs> pulls this crap out of his ass. Like He's smart and calculated with his decisions and right. that's the UCF success is a direct byproduct of that not just in football but in all our sports recently this next question is from Nico opinions on UCF early signees 2019 recruiting class um you know I think we're really really shaping up to have a great class you know coach Heupel had no time to get recruits last year and you lose pretty much a year of recruiting in that weird transition when you have a new coach you know, hired in December with no time to recruit with the early signing day being December 19th. But, you know, I think we're going to flip um, this guy. I forget his name. Brownie or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know one, Adrian Medley, who was committed to Texas A&M for a while. And I mean, that's a, P- a P5 school. Right. And then there's uh, four-star cornerback Jarvis Brownlee, who just announced his top three. Uh, I mean, honestly, you're probably going to listen to this. It's going to be National Signing Day. His decision is going to be at noon on December the 19th, and his top three are UCF, FSU, and Miami. He already decommitted from Miami, so I don't think he's going to recommit there. I'm hearing it's about 50-50, UCF, FSU. But, I mean, if you look down our list, we've got a lot of good three-star guys. Don't take the stars too seriously because, honestly, the more offers someone gets from bigger schools, their stars go up. It doesn't necessarily mean they're that better, and it's all subjective anyway. Yeah. So, um, give me a three star all day. Or to me, I would want a, a whole team of three stars. It, here's the thing, and it, look at like if you look at the NFL, there's just as many five stars as there are guys that were barely recruited. Yeah. Two, three stars. It, it ends up evening out. Obviously, the five stars in general are probably better than the three stars, but. And well, they indi- have more talent, but an, it doesn't mean they're a better player. But on an individual basis, you can pick a random five-star and a random three, and they might be the same, and the three might be better. So, I mean, it's just kind of a It guide. all just depends a lot on coaching, too. It, coaching's huge, especially these kids. Half of them are still going through puberty almost. I mean, they're young. They're raw. Uh, it has a lot to do with the coaching. You're definitely right. So, yeah, I, I think we're doing good. Obviously, time will tell. It's really going to play out these next couple days, but I think we're doing great so far. All right, I will do the next question. 
if UCF were to win the Fiesta Bowl but lose the 30-plus points per game streak, would you still be upset? What? No. <laughs> Come on, Mike. <laughs> no, now, that's horrible. Winning like, is the only thing that matters. Yeah, I mean, the 30-point ga- streak is cool and just something to brag I about. I won't care if Brett Mc- McMurphy winning, doesn't winning tweet is winning. that on Monday. If we win by one point, I don't care. We won. The end. 26-0. and 0. Yep. Let's go. Exactly. Uh, do one more. All right. This next question is from Aaron. Which outcome is best? This is actually a really good question. UCF signs and stays in the American and makes the playoff sometime in the next four years. Or, or. UCF moves to a Power 5 conference and loses at least four games every year for the next four years. So basically, it's like stay in the American and make the playoffs once in the next four years or get in a Power 5 conference and just kind of be mediocre. Be a mediocre bowl team. Four losses isn't terrible. Right, right. Um, well, I, I don't know. I Stay in the American. Yeah, I I don't think either of those options are going to actually pan out. But if No, because if know, we went to a Power 5 school... We're not going to be a four-loss team every year, I think. And we're going to be better than that. We might have a couple off years, but we're not going to be consistently mediocre. Oh, four losses isn't that bad. I mean, if you count bowl game and conference championship, that's actually pretty good. But, I, I mean, obviously making the playoff is the goal. Eventually. Well, yeah, I mean, what what other team is consistently in the top ten? I mean, it's like Bama-Clemson, and that's it. You know, Ohio State had an off year. Georgia had some off years. Well, half the SEC just because they're overrated. Florida State, way off. Miami, way off. It's tough. It's tough to put together a perennial powerhouse. I mean, it's really, really, really lopsided. You know, when you get out of those, it's the same teams in the playoff every year. And I think that's what the playoffs created is it's ensured these same couple teams kind of dominate and everyone else just kind of falls off and doesn't have a chance, which is why I think we should expand. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, you know what? Either of those options you mentioned aren't that terrible, so whatever. All right, guys. I think we are going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. I know it was a really, really long episode, so thanks for sticking there with us. Was it? It's like an hour 20. Oh, then the interviews. The interviews, and... yeah. It's going to be like two uh, hours raw. Well, yeah, cut that out. Yeah, I know. Um, raw. Anyway, uh, we'll get out that quick little mini show, our preview with Squints here soon, LSU preview. Besides that, hey, if you're still on the fence, make the decision. Get to the Fiesta Bowl. Do what it takes. I Um, did see a couple last-minute flights. It's worth one last shot. A get, couple last-minute flights that were a lot cheaper than yeah. 500 bucks. Split it on a couple credit cards. Do what you got to do. Get Open there. Open another credit can, card. You know, Borrow some money. Yep. Take out a you know credit line on your house. Do whatever it takes. But, yeah, anyway, it's going to be awesome. I'll see you guys out there. Good night. Charge on.
Charts. DJ Charts. 